We're glad you could join us for episode 85 of Fatalists. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne. And Wayne, today, first Tuesday in November, arguably the most important day in the United States. And I think even we agree it's important that everybody gets out and exercises his or her right to vote. Now, I got to the poll early. We're actually just after it opened at 7, and I was kind of bummed that there was already a long line, and then I thought, wait a minute, that's actually a good thing. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> That is a good you, thing. You, you went a bit later. Yeah, I went later, and there was uh, like no line at all. Really. There was still, like, all the polls were, were taken, all the, fo- the voting booths that we have here in Maryland. And we don't have the poll machines anymore. Those were fun, though. I remember my mom taking me into the... To, you actually pulled down the lever and everything oh yeah sure now it's just the touch screen but yep. you know on the other hand it was uh kind of fun but anyway we'd love to hear from you listener via email at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com uh website at fatalist.podbean.com where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab or just record your own audio clip and send the mp3 as an attachment but Tonight, we're here to discuss Season 1, Episode 10 of James Cameron's cyberpunk series, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba and Michael Weatherly. But, Wayne, before we get to that, do we care that Danny Pink is dead? And by extension, do we care that the doctor may be considering Clara's request to, quote, do something about it? Yeah, there is, you know, this uh, this past episode... I've been basically on board this whole season of Doctor Who, and I don't know, I guess maybe I was expecting a little bit more, you know, action uh, in knowing it's like the, um, you know, the first part of the season ender. I do care because I really like Danny Pink. See, I guess I didn't, but what what surprised me was how moved I was by Clara's response to it. Yeah, uh, especially for someone who's basically kind of been stepping out on it a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, she was she was quite you know uh, you know upset. But yeah, and I'm, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I was just saying. But on the other hand, like when she's in the the teacher's lounge, and it's like she's maybe not that upset because she thinks, oh well, I've got a time machine. I'll just go back in time and you know stop it. Yeah, and, and you know, in fact, like I said, I, I haven't really cared for him throughout you know all of this season but you know even in this episode now that he's dead and we see him in the afterlife and and we're not going to you know really discuss the episode per se but i really started feeling for him and then like i said i I really started feeling for her but you know again it goes back to that question that we've talked about many times when is dead dead so that uh you know and again I, i i think that is something that the doctor's going to have to wrestle with because I, I think in the end, just, you know, obviously we have no way of knowing what's going to transpire in the season finale, but, you know, I think he's going to tell her he can't do it. Well, you know, the thing I'm thinking about is remember the guy Orson that they pulled back from the future? I do. Who was like a spinning image of Danny and had the little soldier that had been handed down to him from his great grandmother. And, you know, he doesn't say it, but obviously we are under the assumption that Clara and Danny are his great grandparents. So well, that's a good point. So that would be an argument for him, right? That that it's yeah. already like they're not rewriting the timeline. I mean, this is what happened. I mean, for this kid to exist, right? Well, unless Clara's pregnant right now, which I guess is always a possibility. But otherwise, for that guy to exist, you know, then Danny and and uh, Clara need to you know be a couple, 
have yeah, children. And yeah, just really a powerful episode on so many levels. I mean, you know, the the discussion and and the exploration of whether or not there is an afterlife, what it actually means, and of course the fact that it's actually the master yeah. who seems to be in charge. That I didn't see that one coming. Well, there on the the Doctor Who podcast, the, that theory was thrown out uh, at the beginning of the season when when Missy first showed up. Uh-huh. That she is indeed the master. Um, spoiler alert! Sorry, we didn't get a spoiler warning. So, well, if you haven't watched it by now, then you deserve this. That was certainly a theory that I'd heard, and was you know I thought, you know, like I was kind of wavering through the whole season. Is that the master? Well, you know, you know, like back and forth, and um, so when you know she finally revealed that that's who she was, it was not a. Big surprise, because that was like a pretty prevalent theory that that had been uh, kicking around about her. Yeah, so, but anyway, regardless, uh, looking forward to the season finale. Going to be sorry that, uh, well, we'll have the Christmas episode, but then it'll be another six-month wait. But, you know, one thing about Doctor Who, it's it's really regular. You know, I mean, we don't have to worry whether it's coming back. We we know generally when it's going to be back, you know, October. Heck, I think it was even September this year. So in that regard, we're, we're looking good, but, uh, well, listen, we, we did get an email this week, Wayne. Yes, we did. And, and yeah, and I know you got to take a look at mm-hmm. it and it is from Daniel LaRock, who's written to us before. And he says, Hey guys, just a quick note to say how cool it is that you guys are giving this classic some much needed love. I first watched it back in 08 or so when the entire series was streaming on Hulu now it's not streaming anywhere that I know of. And it's also not available on iTunes for crying out loud. So I found some gently used DVD sets on Amazon, and I love playing around with transcoding of media, turning the knobs up on handbrakes. So this classic is now a permanent part of my iTunes library. And, and you know, Wayne, we've talked about it as we have discussed what life for fatalists will be after Lost Girl ends its run. And, you know, some of the shows we've talked about perhaps looking at, whether it's Farscape, Andromeda, so many of the shows that really deserve a second look are not available on any of these, on anything. you know, on anything. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, they're certainly available for those people that want to get creative with their uh, internet searching, <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, right. wink. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, on the one hand, I understand that. On the other hand, it's just such a shame. So, now, uh, Dan goes on to say, overall, I think it was a great show and it holds up pretty well. I wish now that it wasn't actually set in the future, mainly because of the tech. It could have easily been set in an alternate 2000 with the EMP and the rest of the story. The cell phones and computers can really date a show. Logan's now using a Power Macintosh G4 Cube. I really thought that was pretty cool when I noticed what it was. Now, you're not the computer nerd that I am, and, and he's uh, Logan, that is, has also got a Mac G3 laptop, which is pretty cool. But, uh, you know, I, I guess I've gotten past the fact that she carries a pager and all of that, and, and I think it is cool to look at that tech, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I, but I totally agree with that, though, that that is kind of problematic because you can't help but notice it. I mean, we're only a couple of years away from 2020 and the fact that they're still using pagers and all the, the low tech aspects of it when it's supposed to be a futuristic story, you know, so they said in the future, but really they were using the tech that probably even in 2000 was a little antiquated, right? Like were people, well, well, sure. did people still have pagers in 2000? Like I'm not 
I think they were kind of on the way out by then, you know? Yeah, I guess so. And you wonder how much of it had to do with the fact that the U.S. has become, as they've said many times, a third world nation. And while certainly there are cell phones, I mean, obviously Logan has a cell phone, but that uh, maybe they're not as prevalent as they they actually were in 2000. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a technological type movie or or sci-fi movie that has a technological component to it that um that's set like supposed to be in our own time or whatever just in the very near future like war games for example you know like the war yeah, time, oh, good point that computer is supposed to be this like really was it isaac right what's the name of the computer i can't believe i remember that but yet you watch it now and it's like oh <laughs> yeah this is definitely not futuristic or high tech at all you know so no, no. In fact, then Matthew Broderick's what, like about eleven? Yeah, something like that. That movie. Well, he was actually <laughs> so. fifty-three, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, listen, Dan. Really appreciate you taking the time to send us an email, and you know, the rest of the listeners, uh, you know, hey, take Dan's cue. Yeah, great. Now, it, it, it is, uh, you know, like the the dearth of availability out there for it is unquestionable uh but you know if you uh if you don't want to get creative uh you can get the dvds on amazon it is available yep. there so yep all right now in sci-fi news uh one of batman's earliest enemies is coming to fox's hit prequel series gotham Uh-oh. during a panel at stan lee's kamikaze Executive producer Danny Cannon revealed that they're currently working on a script that will introduce the classic Batman villain Scarecrow, a.k.a. Jonathan Crane, best known for his fear toxin. Now, i got to be honest, I don't remember Scarecrow, and and perhaps in a second you'll understand why. Uh, The character, one of the oldest in Batman's comic lore, was created by Bill Finger back in the early 1940s. Scarecrow predates the Penguin, the Riddler, and Two-Face, and we're not Yet sure how exactly this one's going to work since the character would be approximately the same age as young Bruce Wayne or even younger at this point. Now, according to Zap to it, Cannon said they're breaking the story now, but are eyeing a twist to the mythos that will make the scarecrow identify something passed on from father to son. So we can meet young Jonathan Crane and his psycho father, who will be the original scarecrow in the series continuity. That way, Jim Gordon can take on the adult version now while Kid Scarecrow is still left to go crazy in the future for Batman to deal with. Cool. Yeah, well, did you see the Batman movies? Uh, I've seen some. I mean, I, I, I've well, seen... like the Christopher Nolan ones. I saw the first one. Okay, well, Scarecrow was in that. That was uh, Killian Murphy played the Scarecrow. Oh, gosh, I he don't was, even he remember. He was a psychologist. Remember, they put on the mask and it would freak people out and everything. There was Gosh, kind of a big plot point there. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I need to re- you know rewatch. What? This it. is actually what I was thinking. That maybe in the you know near future, maybe we could have a uh, the Batman trilogy watch, and uh, we could, that could be a topic of discussion for a Fayless show. It could be, yeah. So because so, you clearly need some brushing up, man. You're not kidding. So, all right. Well, anyway, uh, we're here to talk about Dark Angel season one, episode ten, titled "Out." which aired on January 9th, 2001, directed by Sarah Pia Anderson and written by David Zabel, who also wrote Cream in an uh, you know, episode we talked about a couple weeks ago. Cool. What'd you think of this one? Um, I mean, I, I still liked it. It was enjoyable. Um, I don't know if I thought it was as good as some of the past couple have been. Um, and I could 
nail, you know, or sometimes I, I have to like think, well, why didn't I really like, you know, it's this kind of visceral thing where you're not really sure, you know, your enjoyment or non-enjoyment of a show is very subjective. Um, but I think I could really put my finger on all the relationship crap <laughs> was going which, on. Which is, exact, which is exactly what I liked yeah, about exactly. it. Because I knew you, as I watching, like, oh, Dave is well, in but, but, this. But, you know, not for the reason you're implying. It's just that we see the human side of these characters, and we really haven't done that yet. And, you know, well, just to not get too far ahead, uh, you know, opening scene, Max has invited Logan over for dinner. And, you know, it's really a funny scene as Kendra's trying to help her cook. And we, we learned that Max is capable of boiling water. And, and beyond that, that's about it. Yeah. Um, but, but right away, he's making excuses that there's a case he's working on, needs his attention. And, and Bling's like, dude, you can't cancel at this late. And he's like, well, yeah, I have to. It's the work. She'll understand. Dude, no, she won't. She's a woman. Yeah, you know, and Logan was married before, and he just doesn't seem to cotton on to this idea until the very end, of course. Like, even in the car when, you know, um, when Max gets out, she's obviously very upset with him. He, I mean, obviously he gets why she's upset, but it doesn't seem like he feels that regret for it, you know. Well, you know who they remind me of? It's Hale and Kenzie. It's just, you know, afraid to make that first move. Now, look, we get logan he can't walk he's in a wheelchair so so we get some of his reticence about you know moving forward and making the first move but heck she made the first move here and invited him over he goes anyway and and you wonder why he even bothered to bring the bottle of wine because as soon as he gets through her door yeah it was all like this whole setup it's almost cruel he's like oh yeah hey i'm here for dinner oh here's the wine oh yeah no we gotta go right right um i'll open it no, 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 don't open. Oh, you're right. I always break the cork. And, and, and right. And Kendra made some sexual overtures about Max and Logan. So it's almost one of those deals that, look, you know, everybody else sees it. Why don't you? Yeah. And, and again, I think it's just both of them. Now, like you said, Logan's been married before. Max clearly hasn't. And it's not like Max hasn't been with a man before or even a woman for that matter. But she's not apparently, at least for what we know, been in any kind of a long-term relationship right. with anybody. But, you know, we don't even have any kind of evidence that she is, you know, sexually active at all. I mean, you think, except for the one time when she was in heat. Right. right? And, and that happens three times a year. So we assume, you know, she scratches the itch when it occurs sure, at, sure. at, at least nice three times. Play, Dave, but, yeah. yes. um, but, you know, what Logan reminded me of here is he reminded me of Zach. Like, as far as putting the mission first and then that being, like, uh, relationships being subservient uh, or subordinate, I should say, to the mission and the job. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny, the case of the week in this episode, it's almost secondary to all the interpersonal stuff that's going on. Um, You know, Max is pissed the whole ride to Furrow Air Base. And though she gets inside, she doesn't really find anything except candy and gum. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was kind of weird because obviously we know she had her childhood stolen from her. And maybe that was the appeal of all of that there. Yeah. And I mean, we learned later that it's because they're trafficking girls. Um, well, I mean, we understand why it was but, there, but I mean, her fascination yeah, with it. Right, right, right. And she takes the gum and everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's my question though so 
you're you're stealing girls and selling them into prostitution, slavery, whatever. Um, why, why do you do you have to ply them with candy and bubble gum and teen mags? Like, is that is that part of the bad guys? It just seems strange that when I thought about it later, and I found you know we find out why it's there. I'm like, why do they have the candy and the gum there? Like that yeah, doesn't make any you know, sense. Ma- well, maybe the whole candy from strangers make them more compliant. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's just so. strange. As well as okay, so Logan can't walk, but he can drive. Just, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not a medical guy and everything, but I'm like, how is he driving? I thought he, well, he couldn't use his well, legs. No. Well, right, but they have hand, devi- uh, you know, hand controls. All right, true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so she hears a plane, runs out on the airstrip, and we think, I mean, at least I thought it was going to be one of those deals where she jumps on, grabs the landing gear, and the next thing you know, she climbs inside the fuselage but no she's just using it as a device to get away from the bad guys jumps over the fence to meet logan and falls face first into the mud which is now all over her face and classic don't even think of speaking (laughs) yeah yeah she probably knew that already but but yeah yeah now you know like we said at the beginning i mean this episode to me is a lot about this crisis that both of them are facing about their life choice and you know you wonder is it a result of max's reconnection with zach uh is logan motivated because zach might be back in max's life and you know the whole jealousy thing and then not unlike barbara gordon dinah lance and helena kyle logan and max have to find some balance in their lives i mean they can't be crime fighters 24 7 true and matt you know ironically enough it's max seems to be the one who is actually better at achieving this balance than logan yeah yeah now and she also starts contemplating women's roles in life right you know where she has that you know that that dialogue where you know men uh, you know, seem to be on a mission and, and women, it seems like, you know, their only mission is to find a man and have children. And she doesn't understand that. And, uh, you know, we don't explore that a lot in this episode, but it certainly comes up a couple of yeah, times. And, and yeah. As you were talking about there, sketch has probably the most profound assessment of men's and women's roles, right? That, uh, or, is a profound misogynist. I'm not sure, but yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, women are just meant to have kids, so they don't need to do anything. But guys can't have kids, so we need to create and we need to build and everything. Just like really, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, uh, he, he, I'm, I'm starting to warm up the sketch. He's pretty funny. Okay, well, you know, I'll tell you a character that I really warmed up to in this episode. I know what you're going to say. Was normal. normal. Yes. And, you know, uh, I mean, we'll talk about his storyline, you know, in a little bit, but I'm wondering if we were doing predictions, is his education background going to come into play in future episodes? And, of course, I'm wondering in what fields does he have his PhDs, if in fact that was true. Right. I mean, yeah. Which I I think it was. I'm going, I'm operating under the the, uh, idea that it is true. Uh, you know, it, it, you have your doubts. I, I have my doubts. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not so sure. But then again, he's been pretty upfront with uh, with Louise um, the whole time. So why would he BS her at that point, right? Yeah. Well, you know, why don't we just go ahead and talk about that? Okay. I mean, uh, I mean, normal has a date. Yeah, it has a date. 
Right. And, you know, the, the riders first notice that he's, you know, flossing his teeth. And, uh, uh, of course, they become understandably curious. He's, in fact, leaving work early, which obviously never he never does. He smells like lilac. It must be uh, Cindy that asks him, so how come you all macked out like a playa playa? <laughs> now, now, I have to tell you, I did look up in the Urban Dictionary, and they may have misused the phrase macked out. Oh, yeah? Well, at least according to the Urban Dictionary. And, okay. Uh, we're, not, we're a family-friendly podcast, so I'm not going to repeat what the Urban Dictionary okay. <laughs> said that it was, but we get what Cindy's intent was, that's for sure. Yeah. So, so, so we see him at this restaurant where the owner obviously knows Normal, who's a regular, but apparently normally he eats alone. Eats alone. Right. Which, so, you know, again, makes you feel some sympathy there for Normal because that's, that's kind of sad, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, although he does at least get out. So it, it, it's funny because we see he has a personal life. And, you know, he even says to the girls at one point, that's why they call it a personal life. It's personal. Um, so did he really earn a PhD at Harvard, as he says? Does he really have several PhDs? So, you know, I, I certainly think we'll find out at some point. You know, we've got... And, and then 30, if, if he does have several phds one of which is from harvard or you know maybe multiple but at least one um why is he at the jam pony yeah well i guess we could say why is max at the jam pony i mean you know we understand she's she's trying to keep a low profile but hey you know maybe he is too you just never know and and again depending on what his phd is in there may not be a big call for his area of expertise so true uh you know so we'll see but uh, his date left her purse at the restaurant, which is usually some sort of a ploy, right? You know, you leave a piece of clothing at your, you know, at the girl's place so that you have to go back. Is that but, is that how is that what you do? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, that's so. No, it was like the Costanza episode of Seinfeld when he did that. Oh my gosh, right? I forgot about that <laughs> Costanza. So anyway, normal has original Cindy courier it over to her, but of course not before he looks in it. And she looks in it, right? And, and and we certainly understand original Cindy's curiosity. I mean, sure. I, I was a little surprised that Normal admitted to looking into it, but you know, yeah. What's he going to do? I mean, you got to address the issue, yeah. and uh, you know how you going to, you know. Hey, by uh, the way, I just, I just asked this for all my dates. Did you used to be a dude? Yeah, so she it's finds a standard right. boilerplate question that I asked. Just wondering. Well, I, I, right, but I mean, look at his response. I mean, you know, she finds she finds that estrogen prescription, and that she used to be a he. And you know, at their next date, she tells Normal, you know, I have something to tell you, and he's like, "It's okay, it's okay." Tells her he looked in her purse and knows the truth. He's fine with it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Wayne, that was classic. Yeah. Uh, He's like, you know, hey, uh, you know, I think you're gorgeous. It doesn't matter. And then she says, and I didn't catch this the first time around. I mean, I, I caught the basic when she says that I'm gay. She tells him she's realized something the past few days they've spent together yeah. <laughs> that she's gay. Right. So it's like, dude, being with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That, 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 that doesn't, it's like, that doesn't make it better. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> but, but I'm not sure he that your experience with me has has driven you away from men altogether. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, they're back at Jam Pony, 
and Cindy and Normal are having a normal conversation as she shows him some compassion. And, and again, it's something we've never seen in the first 10 episodes, uh, you know, about normal being normal, you know, that, that the others not making fun of him, him, you know, not making fun of them to a certain extent. And, and in fact, he tells her that she wanted me to give you her phone number. She found you alluring. Yeah. I mean, just the irony is just all over the place. I mean, first of all, that, you know, obviously the unexpected twist that the girl he's dating was once a male, the next further unexpected twist that he's totally cool with that. No problem. Uh, which I, I don't know, I guess because I don't, like, like Lydecker now normal is starting to fascinate me. You know? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know about this guy. You know? Uh, he seems very straight laced, right? I mean, he went running to the cops the other week, uh, about Max. And so he seems like a pretty straight laced guy, but then he's like totally cool with this and that's fine. And then, you know, he, he's, kind of takes it in stride when she says, well, you know, I'm a lesbian now. Uh, but then the brutal irony that, you know, the the girl he sent to deliver the purse is, you know, basically now maybe even the reason why she's decided she's into chicks now. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, and, and I think, look, I mean, obviously it's a commentary on sexuality in 2020, or, at, you know, at least in this population segment, that there are, you know, no restrictions, no judgments. And, and you, again, you talk about ironies. Well, Cindy's not interested, throws the number away. And, and in fact, she says, original Cindy's just too damn straight to kick it with a science fiction girlfriend. Yeah. You, you know? Right. And, and, and I guess, again, that kind of subtext, well, that's Max, right? The science fiction girlfriend. I mean, obviously not. You know, they don't have any kind of relationship right. other than just his best friends. But, I mean, that's what Max is. I mean, she's a science fiction. She's a creation of science. True. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually think about that. That's a good point. Um, I just think like Sketch picks up the phone number. <laughs> absolutely, man. She throws it away. He picks it up, puts it in his pocket. So, you know, got to love Sketch. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that whole bit with normal and everything, at first, I'm like, uh, why are they even going here with this? But as I said, you know, by the end, I'm like, geez, he's he's actually, I'm rather fascinated with normal now. And I'm trying to figure out what this guy is. And does he actually have the PhDs? And if so, why is he got Champony? And just everything. But he just, everything, he's lines he delivers with such just like, there, there were some lines he put like a lot of emotion into, obviously, when he's, but even like declaring his love for Louise, it seemed like he's still... I don't know how to put it, I guess, but just, you know, he doesn't get like all worked up and everything. He's yeah, he just, everything, he kind of keeps an even keel, I guess. And, uh, no, no. Well, you know, well, he, you know, we see that genuine side from him that we've never seen. And, and look, you know, as I've said a number of times, I'm not a big fan of the jam pony scenes because I don't think they add a lot to the individual episode, but, but in this one, you know, I, I, totally buy into it and, and really enjoyed it just as much as the, you know, I guess the a story. So, you know, we'll, we'll, hopefully they'll keep that up with jam pony. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the a story obviously revolves around max and Logan coming to grips 
with work versus a personal life. And obviously there's the, uh, you know, the, the human trafficking story going on in the background. But uh, at the beginning, back at Logan's, Max is now wearing a towel after showering and she is pissed. And, and, and I guess what I found uh, great about this scene is that Jessica Alba, hair wet, in a towel, it doesn't get any more alluring than that, but you know nothing is going to happen because she's still so damn pissed at Logan for canceling their dinner. Right, which begs the question, why is she in the towel? Why isn't she just... Well, remember, the, she was all muddy. Right, right. And, and, oh, and then they're back at Logan's place, right? Right. But I mean, so, like, uh, bathrobe, maybe? Yeah, yeah. well, right. I, a good point, and I'm sure he's got a bathrobe there somewhere. So he's got to admit that his intel wasn't accurate, but she tells him, She's done. We can't all be obsessed with saving the freaking world. And then he stoops so low as to hold his looking into the other Manticore kids yeah. over over her head. That was, and, and that's she, pretty low. Yeah, and she says, well, you know what? Don't bother. How about a new quid pro quo? I won't call you. You don't call me. That, that is a quid pro quo. And, yeah, you know, that... I don't want to call it a heartbreaking scene because it wasn't because she, she was still so angry at him, but you wondered what it was going to do to their relationship. And look, I mean, obviously we know there are, you know, 30 more episodes to go. So we know, you know, something's going to bring them back together, but still at this point. Um, yeah. Well, that's, well, that's a thing. Like I, you weren't really feeling it ever. Like I never thought when she said, I'm done. Like, uh, no, you're not. you're definitely not you're definitely gonna be back right but you wondered what it would be that would bring her back in and it's the child trafficking and because that's not so far removed from what happened to her right right absolutely all right well you know so we find out that eyes only is being set up by this organized crime leader bronk who's feeding uh, we think at first logan's detective friend matt information it turns out he's feeding three different detectives information and finding out which one actually knows eyes only and it's you know all this stuff the uh, suspects the da's office is being paid off by bronk uh logan says it's not an or says it's not enough to you know bring him down but it's enough to embarrass him over the air which is what he in fact does but it turns out that that's really what bronk wanted to have happen yeah it's the classic uh way of catching a spy is that you uh you know give the people you suspect you you figure out who is potentially the leak or the spy and you tell them three different things and then depending on which one you know gets you discover that the the other side comes up on then you know who where the leak is basically yeah absolutely and there were some really cool twists in in, in this plot uh, yeah plot even story. Tyrion lannister used that in game of thrones too yeah good good catch yeah. all right now um we see the scene where max is pouring out her frustrations to kendra who suggests you know what maybe a series of one night stands with good looking airheads is just what you need and max tells her you know i'm ready to swear off men but we kind of knew Kendra was going to do what she did, which is go behind Max's back. And oh, she was reaching it. for the phone before Max was out of the room. <laughs> All right. She's got her little Rolodex of men there, which was <laughs> pretty funny. So, you know, they're meeting at this bar, which is apparently what they do uh, every night. And Sven and his other friends show up. And Sven was not exactly the way she described him the first time. At least I didn't. Yeah, think I so. mean, yeah, he was a, he was a good looking dude. Yeah, you know? not gonna I take guess. it away, but you know, it wasn't 
like you know the yeah but the dream but boat it, that she made him out to be yeah well true and, and it was at this scene where max you know says that one line about i don't understand these women that need a man to feel complete and and like we said this this line of thinking comes up several times in this episode but while they're sitting at the bar eyes only comes on and and again i guess it's a combination of feeling like kendra you know did what i asked you to not do and being angry that you know she can't get away from logan and eyes only so she just leaves right uh, it seemed at first she was like okay you know like she like smiled when she saw sven and she kind of smiled and was like so it didn't seem like she was really mad at kendra for that but as soon as eyes only comes on bam that's which gets flipped <laughs> yeah um and, and so it was totally i think she if the date were allowed to proceed that she might even have gotten along with Sven, but it was never got a chance because she's just so pissed at Logan still that. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, during the course of this uh, storyline, you know, you already mentioned the, the conversation she has with sketch about, you know, women's mission is to bear children and all that. But, uh, but the line we forgot, I'm beginning to think normal's right. You are an idiot. Yeah. That was a great line. <laughs> yeah. Now, sketch is tasked to deliver this package and apparently it's going to an area that terrifies him to no end you're such a wuss fine i'll go with you and and they're taking a package to and this may be the best name in the series so far tacoma bleed (laughs) a local thug and the package turns out to be a finger from one of his crew right because he recognizes i guess the ring that was on the finger and obviously he's now going to get revenge and, and max and sketch just want to get out. You know, she brings up, you know, the don't shoot the messenger line, you know, again, it, he lets him go. There's no reason not to, but, um, yeah, but for a second, there, I thought he was not going to let him go. Like, why, why would you let him uh, go? They just delivered the package to you. They didn't cut the guy's finger off, you know, come right. On. Exactly. Now, uh, now back to, uh, max, uh, back to Matt and Logan, they meet in the park and look, they don't know they're being set up. Bronx guys take Logan and Matt for an interrogation session. And it didn't take Logan long to admit that he's eyes only. And, and you understand, I mean, his friend who he really is the one that got Matt involved and he's got him hooked up to what, what is it? Two car batteries yeah, yeah, or car batteries. Yeah. Well, that's like way more effective torture is to torture someone else than the person you want to get the information out of, right? Sure. Because the individual, he can be tough. He Maybe he can take the pain, or maybe he's just willing to take the abuse himself. He's making that choice. But when they torture someone else, now you don't have the choice to, of, you know, I can end this pain, or I can, you know, like, if if I'm stubborn, then this other person suffers. It's not me that's paying the price, so. Yeah. Did you watch 24? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you remember the scene where Jack Bauer goes to the guy's house to get the information, the guy won't talk to him. Jack Bauer sits him and his wife down on the couch. The guy still won't talk. He goes over and he shoots the wife in the leg. Yeah. Then the guy talks. Yes. See, that's that. Jack Bauer was a smart guy, too. Exactly. All right. Well, <laughs> I was thinking about you know, the one where uh, he took uh, like a lamp like a wire like a lamp that's plugged in a hotel room and he took out the wires that were still plugged in and stripped off the ends and was electrocuting a guy with that yeah that was messed up i'm telling you do you i, I haven't been watching the uh the reboot or the continuation but uh i saw 
like the first two or three episodes and then like my DVR went crazy and didn't record one or two of them. And so I just never watched the rest yet. So, all right. Well, anyway, now as a result of this airbase mission, like we said, Max uncovers this child trafficking ring and she sees these Seattle police officer loading young girls into the back of the van and she recognizes them from the airfield and, you know, starts putting the pieces together, candy, teen magazines, airplanes, and realizes that they're flying these girls out. You know, she, she tries to get hold of Logan, but obviously he's being captured. All right, so she comes back and she finds Bling's ready to delete all of Logan's files of his informant net, which is clearly the right thing to do. But she tells him, hold off, I've got a plan. Of course, I'm going to be making it up as I go along, but, uh, you know, let's not do that just yet. And yeah, could you imagine something happened like he just lost his cell phone yeah. and then he comes back like, Blaine, what the hell did you do, man? I, I was just getting some avocados at the store, dude. Yeah, but man, here's where the plan really starts to take shape. And uh, and, and we see, saw her do this in one of the earlier episodes. I think the pilot, actually, Was right? it the pilot yeah, back at the hotel so. room and all that? Yeah. So, so just as Bronx ready to shoot the detective, eyes only comes on the air. It's Max using some kind of voice filter, knows the call is going to be traced, or at least, you know, what Bling holds up a little piece of paper, right? It says the call is being traced, and then all of a sudden she starts typing in some code, which basically lets them trace the call, but gives them, to the a, wrong place. Gives them a wrong address. But it's the right. address to Tacoma, ple- to t- yeah. Tacoma Bleeds Crib. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I knew that. Obviously, she knew that they were trying to trace the call, and that she was doing something in response to that. But I didn't see that one coming. Nah, me. Either. And I should have because even when they delivered that, I'm like, why did they even have that scene in there? Like, obviously, it's going to play later. You know, they're going to use that that crew later in the story. Um. But I, I still didn't see that one coming. Yeah, and, and then she calls Bleed to let him know that guys with guns are coming to his place. And she's and he's like, yo, thanks. You know, so he feels like he's been done a solid, to quote normal. Um, and then you know, a trope that we've seen in many a police procedural, she's using EQ filtering to try to figure out where Logan's being held, narrows it down to the airfield, uh, because of you know they hear the airplane sounds and then they hear the foghorn she swoops in does her thing runs down the airplane this time she does climb in yep throws bronk out the win- out the uh doorway Door. and then frees the girls and i gotta tell you wayne when i saw the propellers i was hoping for a little indiana jones action. yeah little indiana jones yeah you know, yep and, uh, even though i probably would have had to shield my eyes from it but uh <laughs> Well, this is television too. So. Yeah, good point. Um, but you know, then when she sees the young girls huddled and crying in the plane's cargo hold, you know, I think that's the point where she realizes she can't walk away from what it is that Logan's trying to do. That that this is just the tip of the iceberg. That this kind of thing is going on all over Seattle, and as much as she doesn't want to get involved. She has to because she knows it's the right thing to do, and she knows she's got the skill set to do it. Right, and it comes back down to what you said before about both of them trying to find some balance. Um, she realizes that 
yeah, okay, maybe I was being a little selfish and that, you know, going and ditching this whole thing and not helping others uh, instead of just is a little bit me thinking for myself too much. And then Logan, on the other hand, realizes that, okay, well, maybe I am too zealous and maybe I am too, you know, into the, the work and the job and everything. Um, so he needs to take a break a little bit she needs to realize that, you know, what she's doing is a good thing. And I think they do by the end, they kind of both meet that common ground and achieve a little bit of that balance. Yeah. And that's what was so good about the closing scene. You know, Logan tells Max that, you know, he realized that eyes only has been a mask he hides behind to avoid dealing with his paralysis. And that, and she gives him that, that encouragement that, you, you know, you don't have to hide, not from me. And then he tells her he's got everything to make the dinner that she had planned. I forget what it was, something Tetra something or other, some Italian dish. Yeah, pasta, something, something. Yeah. And she tells him, well, I can boil the water. And right on cue, he gets an eyes-only call that requires immediate attention. And he says it can wait. And you see that look on her face where she's just you know, really pleased that that's the decision he made. And she though says don't hold up the war on my account well the world will still be broken in the morning and 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 it's just like what a what a great line to end the episode on that was a really good line yeah and and again it shows you what he's learned right he's learned that he you know it's not all just work 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 and everything and that you know he needs to take some personal time every now and then he needs to try and again if if he doesn't take that time to try and foster any kind of relationship whether it's who knows what kind of relationship is between him and max but it is a relationship if he doesn't do that then he's zach right he's just a warrior the the soldier who is goes from place to place can never settle down will never have any attachments to anyone will always just be all about the job yeah and and look i mean obviously one of the problems when you have two characters that work together like this that if they do get involved in a relationship see i don't worry anymore that it's going to bring the show down you know everybody brings up cheers or uh, even before that moonlighting with with uh, bruce willis and right uh that that civil shepherd right that once they sleep together then it's all it doesn't have to be i mean there are so many shows that that that's not true i mean certainly castle is a prime example currently but you even look at lost girl i mean it's i mean look i'm not a big fan of the relationships in lost girl but it 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 didn't do anything to bring the show down the the different relationships that the characters i mean dyson could still work with Bo and lauren and not have the relationship problems affect you know him in the field and the same with the, the two of them so you know it'll be interesting right. to see what happens with logan and, and uh well, yeah, everyone loves a good you know kind of like love story and uh you know people who are just meeting and kind of getting interested in one another and that's compelling stuff you know pretty much always whether you're a chick or a guy you know that you're going to kind of uh, appreciate two people who are starting to discover what they mean to one another. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, interesting stuff. Oh, you got anything else you want to throw out there about this one? Uh, I just really like this one line where the sketch and Cindy are both absolutely dumbfounded that someone actually is dating normal and seeing him romantically. And, uh, 
<laughs> Sketches goes, well, there's a lot of freaks out there. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> you know, and uh, which coming from him is is to put it bluntly, rich. Yeah. So, and even Sketch has a uh, has a goal that he would like to own his own business someday. Yes, and sleep with two chicks. Yes, and sleep with two chicks. All right. Well, listen. <laughs> want to thank you for joining us tonight and if you'd like to send some feedback like dan did we'd love to hear from you emails to fatalistpodcast at gmail.com or voicemails via speakpipe which you can access through the fatalist website and we'll be back next week to talk about dark angels season one episode 11 titled red but until next time you know, Dave, I just watching this episode made me realize that i personally know this guy who figured out a way to breathe through his anus Yeah.